everybody, welcome to The New Deal. This is the first in an episode on the student loan crisis. Before we get into that, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button below. If you like The New Deal in general, you can head over to thenewdeal.com where I've got my blog and you can find podcast episodes and more. Uh, go to the Facebook page, like the Facebook page where I post daily, or you can follow on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to, you can go over to Twitch and follow me on Twitch where I'm prepping a channel so that I can go live play some games, merge politics and gaming, two of my favorite worlds together. Why not? We can have a good conversation uh, while we have some fun. So for those listening on podcast apps, thanks for listening. Please uh, feel free to rate the podcast. I will do my best during this series to explain any visuals that I put up on the screen for you to the best of my ability. So thanks for tuning in. I will try to include you the most as possible so that you can get the semi-full experience. And honestly, I think it'll be like 95%. So why do a series? I've never done a series before. Uh, this is my first. Um, I was going to do a new minute segment on the student loan crisis. I very quickly realized that there was way too much information for me to do just one 10 to 15 minute segment. And then I realized that there was too much information for me to do even a one hour podcast on this topic. And it's, it's a topic that I'm, I'm passionate about and, and I've also struggled with. So um, I want to make sure that I cover it in the, the correct way and in a comprehensive way. Um, so so why, do, why do the student loan crisis? Well, like I said, I was affected by it. So um, this series is going to be six episodes. Um, each one is going to cover a different aspect of the student loan crisis. Um, I want to make sure that the goal of this, even though I might talk about things like loan forgiveness programs, the goal of this is really just to provide information to people who may not have struggled with student loans or don't understand why people are talking about giving uh, you know, money to people with student loans to forgive their debt, uh, especially with the federal loans. I want this to be educational first, persuasive second, um, because information, I, I think the information speaks for itself. So... Um, this is a topic that has affected me. It's affected family members. It's affected a lot of people I know um, in my generation. Uh, so I really want to get started on this. So what I've seen a lot in social media and in social discourse in general is a lot of people mock uh, the loan forgiveness idea, uh, and they have major misconceptions about why loan forgiveness is being talked about. Um, so, so my story, I, I graduated high school in 2005. I applied to some schools. And I got accepted to Rhode Island College, which is a state school here in Rhode Island. And I, we filled out the FAFSA, you know, with, I filled out with my parents and I got my student loan, my student aid package in. And it looked like I was not going to have to pay anything for, for college. It, it was a really good package. And I was excited. It's like, OK, good. About a month, maybe five weeks before school started, we got mail that said there was an error with the FAFSA. And in fact, I would have to pay quite a bit of money, uh, at least at the time. And, and so we really quickly had to get student loans. We had to find a way to get me money so that I could go to school. So we applied uh, for private loans through Sally May so that we could very quickly get the aid that we need, you know, that I needed to go to school, get the loan, got the money. I get to go to college. I was really excited. And uh, I didn't know anything about loans. I was 18 years old. I, I was 17 years old, actually. So from 2005 to the time I graduated in 2010, 
I took out $35,000 in loans. Uh, Just remember that number, $35,000. These loans were deferred. So while you're in school, you don't need to pay. They say, you know, the interest will accrue, but you don't need to make any payments. Once you get out of school, you have a job, you can pay them back then. Great. Sounds good. Um, When I graduated in 2010, the economy was not so great. Not a lot of jobs. Um, And I couldn't afford my loan payments. They were, you know, approaching $500 a month at that point. And I got no help from the loan company. I called Sally Mae and I said, listen, I can't afford these loans on the salary that I'm making right now. You know, what what can we do? How can we work this out so I can make payments? And they didn't give me a lot of options. Uh, The only option available to me was something called forbearance, which we'll talk about in another episode in more detail. But essentially, they said, oh, well, you don't have to pay for three months, but you need to pay us $150 so that you don't pay for three months. Uh, and this led to something that I was unaware of um, till till much later, called capital um, interest capitalization, and playing into interest capitalization. Remember that term is also compounding interest. Remember compounding interest. So applied for forbearance, paid 150, so I didn't have to pay 1500. Capitalized interest comes into play. We'll talk about that later. Great discussion, a lot of fun. Anyway. I graduated and I, I, didn't, I didn't have a great job. I was stuck in this situation for the better part of two years. And the stress of knowing that there's no way you can make enough money to pay a loan that size as a 21-year-old just out of college in an economy that was terrible. There were no jobs in Rhode Island um, at, at the time. It, it puts a lot of stress on a person. And people who graduated around the same time frame as me, in the millennial generation specifically, endured the same kind of issue where not, they, they graduated, they did, did everything they were supposed to do, they graduated, but there was no job waiting for them on the other end. So again, I want this to be informative. Uh, keep my story in mind as we go forward, and, and I may bring up the stories of some other people. Um, but I want to the people listening to understand that this, this is a crisis of circumstance. This is not uh, a bunch of people who made bad choices and decided that they wanted to be porn in debt. This is a crisis of circumstance, and it is a crisis. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, I hope I can explain why it's a crisis uh, through these episodes. So uh, one of the things you hear a lot is, well, you know, you chose to go to college. Well, yes, I did. I did choose to go to college. Why, why do people go to college, especially my age? I'm a millennial. I'm going to be speaking as a millennial and generally for millennials. As a millennial, we were told to go to college. Here's what we were told. If you go to school and get good grades you will be able to get into college. And you go into college, great. Go through, get your degree. And if you get your degree, you're going to be successful. You can be whatever you want to be. As long as you get that degree, you're going to get hired. Life is going to be good for you. You're, you're ready to roll. That's what we were told. And I think we all bought into it. And nowhere along the line where people like, well, you know, if you take out loans, that, you know, that wasn't explained. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that generations before us did not have to deal with loans in the same way that we were asked to deal with loans. And again, we will get into this in later episodes. Um, so it was a cultural dialogue. It was a surefire path to success. And some, some key things to note still, uh, college degrees versus a high school diploma right now uh, are, are worth it. Um, people with high school de- uh, college degrees, a, a four-year bachelor's, compared to someone who only holds a high school diploma, um, the college degree will earn 30000 more per year. 
uh, over a course of a lifetime, the college degree holder will earn a million dollars more over a lifetime than the person who just has a high school diploma. This is on average. Um, so there are, there are still benefits to going to college. So I don't want to take away from going to college. There are clear benefits to doing it. Here's the current landscape of student loan debt in America. How much debt? Americans hold $1.7 trillion in student loan debt. This is an increase of 102% over the last decade. I want to compare this to credit debt in the United States. Credit debt in the United States, all of it, all the credit debt, all the, the credit cards, people swiping, buying nice things, $915 billion. Eight to $9 billion lower than student loan debt. Auto debt, auto loans. Everyone's got, you know, auto loans. You go out, you buy a new, new car, used car. You need to get an auto loan to pay for it. You want it to last a while. Maybe you spring for the warranty. Auto loans. Auto loans are $1.4 trillion. Student loans are more than auto loans. Student loans in total are more than credit debt, mortgage debt. How many people have a mortgage? Most people who are homeowners have a mortgage or did at one time or another. Mortgages in America, the total debt is $9.86 trillion. It far exceeds student loan debt. However, student loan debt is 20% of all mortgages in the country. Think of it as one in five houses in the country would represent how much student loan debt there is. It is not a small number. It's a big number. The $1.7 trillion that we're talking about is spread out over 44 million Americans, which is about just over 10% 10, 10 of the population. However, if we're talking about people who have gone to college people or had the opportunity, people 18 and older, that is 20% of the population of Americans 18 and older who have currently student loan debt. The class of 2019, attending college for the first time in 2019, 69% of students took loans. The average uh, amount of loans when they finish college is $30,000 per student. And interestingly, 14% of parents took out loans as well. Um, their loans averaging $37,000 a year. Um, I'm bringing this up in the context of the loan forgiveness plans that are being talked about. The current plan that's really being pushed is $10,000 in forgiveness on federal loans. Um, many people are pushing for $50,000. Uh, forgiveness on federal loans. There are merits to both. Um, one thing worth noting is that should they forgive 10000 in student loan debt to federal loans, that would actually wipe out 33% of all student loan debt because the people struggling to make the payments are actually the people with the lowest balances. And we'll get to more numbers in, in future episodes. But you know, it's not like the people that are struggling the most are the ones with 100,000, 150,000 student loans. They tend to be higher earners. They have master's degrees or doctorates, and they are better equipped to pay them back. It's the people who maybe go to school for two years or go to school for three or four years, but don't end up with a degree or they weren't able to find a job. And maybe they've got 10, 15, 20,000 in loan debt. They're the ones struggling to make, make the payments. So 10,000 in forgiveness would forgive 33% of all student loan debt in America. It's, it's a substantial amount. And, and I just think we want to keep in mind how many lives would change because of that. 
Uh, also, 10,000 in student loan debt would equal about $680 billion in total, I believe. I think that's the hit that the government would take in revenue. And just remember that number, $685 billion. Maybe go do some research on your own and look at some of the other things that America has spent a lot of money on and where $685 billion falls in comparison to some of those numbers. Just go check it out. I'm going to talk about it later, but you can go check it out before that episode comes out. So... I also really want to address the arguments that I hear against student loan debt and some of the stigmas that you hear out there against student loan debt. And one of the upcoming episodes is going to be specifically focused on these stigmas. So here, here's some things that I would like to disprove or dispel in this series. Uh, the first thing you hear is they knew what they were getting into. They, they went to college. They knew what they were getting into. They knew what was going on when they, when they took out their loan. That's the first argument. Um, the second. They just don't want to pay it back. They never wanted to pay it back. They, um, they, they can, they just don't feel like it. It's their choice not to pay it back. And why should we forgive that choice? Why should we give them money? Number two. Um, number three, they, they should have achieved a higher paying degree. I'm going to leave that one there. Um, the, the next one, and, and it's linked is they got a stupid degree. Uh, you see underwater basket weaving mentioned quite a bit. Um, but people also will make fun of, you know, English majors and like me and, um, you know, psychology and, and what have you, but, but degrees that are, you know, kind of traditionally and culturally looked down upon as not worth much art degree, right? Like you, you guys know what I'm talking about. I'd like to address some of those general concerns that people put forth. We'll call them concerns. The, the, the last one I want to I want to get into, and, and please don't take offense at this. I just don't know how else to define it. Um, so if you're watching this and you're trying to get information, I'm not calling names or anything like that. Just just stick with me. I call this the jealousy complex or the struggle complex. These are people who say, well, I paid my loan. So why should anyone else get help? I didn't get help. So why should anyone else get help? Or if I knew I would be handed $10,000, maybe I would have gone to college. And you hear a lot of stuff like that. You know, why do they deserve help? And it's really, it, this, it's really a, per, this is a personal comparison. Well, well, I'm not getting it, so why should they get it, is, is what it boils down to in a lot of ways. And it's much more complicated, and we'll cover that in the series. The way I look at this is, um, if you want to compare it to... Cheating. I live in New England and I don't like the Patriots. I feel like because I live here, we can bash on the Patriots. The Patriots are cheaters. The Patriots are cheaters. So the Patriots go out there and you've got Deflate Gate and, um, you know, the, the Colts suffer uh, at the hands of the Patriots because the Patriots decide to cheat. There are 32 teams in the league. The Patriots cheated against the Colts. The only team affected by the cheating is the Colts. The other 30 teams are like, oh, that kind of sucks. You know, like, you know, we thought it was going on the whole time, Tom Brady. But but that but that but that kind of sucks that that the Colts lost, you know, maybe due to cheating. But the only team really negatively affected by that cheating directly, they took the loss because of it, is the Indianapolis Colts. The same goes for student loans. In in the case of this series, team A is going to be the student loan industry and to some extent government regulations. And Team B, the Colts, is going to be the student loan borrowers. And I'm going to do my best to explain why 
the student loan industry, and to an extent, government regulations, why they're the cheaters, and why the student loan borrowers are, in fact, victims of that cheating, victims of those circumstances, um, victims of exploitation when we get down to it. Um, so that's, that's what I'm hoping to achieve. And I hope to address those kind of distur- dis, uh, concerns and uh, the, the, the typical arguments against loan forgiveness. Uh, so this series, each episode is going to take on a different subject area. I will make sure that I include links to references um, or simply links that I think are worth exploring because there's a lot of information out there in the descriptions of the episodes, both on the podcast, YouTube, wherever you're listening or watching this. When I advocate for student loan programs, my hope with the series is to simply portray the depth, extent, the factors of the loan crisis um, and bring attention to the many factors that catalyze the event. And one thing that I want to, again, emphasize is that no one who took out these loans expected them to be forgiven. When when I took out my loans, I never thought someone else would pay them for me. And, and no one else did. No one who was hurt by this crisis is being hurt by this crisis. No one thought, oh, someone's just going to let me off the hook for this. That would be naive. That would be immature. That would be irresponsible. And, and the vast majority of borrowers do, do not think like that. The vast majority of borrowers had every intention of graduating college, getting a good job, and paying back these loans through their own hard work, effort, and earnings. 95%, I guarantee you. So I'd like you to keep that in mind as well. Currently, the six episodes I have planned, uh, this is episode one, introduction, student loan crisis. Hello, welcome. Episode two, I want to address these student loan stigmas that we're talking about. Episode three is going to be a two-part episode. Part one is going to focus on the economic factors around the student loan crisis. And episode three is going to be called The Perfect Storm. So part one is economic factors, and that will release one day. And then part two is going to be exclusively on predatory lending. Exclusively on predatory lending. Episode four is going to be the fallout from the crisis, not just how people couldn't pay it back, but the economic fallout, how it's affected an entire generation of borrowers, how it's affecting even people who never took out student loans, the economy. We're going to take the whole thing. We're going to look at it in a nutshell. Um, And then finally, episode five, we're going to look at loan forgiveness concepts, 10,000 versus 50,000 benefits, uh, things along those lines. And then we're going to wrap it all up in episode six, just a little recap of the most important points. So I want to thank you for stopping by for episode one. I, I urge you to continue on to the other episodes. I'm going to try my best to remain as apolitical as I can as I pre- present the information so that people just have the information, understand where people like me who borrowed loans are coming from. I also want to disclose that I would not benefit in any way from student loan forgiveness programs. I want to, I want to get that up front. I do not have loans to pay off. I was lucky enough to be able to pay them off. So I want to make sure that people don't understand that, that they understand that I struggle with student loan debt. It caused me a lot of issues with, with mental health and, and otherwise financially. Um, but I would not benefit from these programs. So I, I do want to make that clear. So thank you for stopping by in episode one. Links that I used to get some of the stats today will be down in the description. Please come back for episode two through six. I hope you find the series enjoyable. Let me know what you think in the comments. I will be an active participant in those conversations. Um, and please rate these episodes uh, as well uh, on whatever podcast platform you're uh, watching on. 
listening on, sorry, or um, if you're watching on YouTube. So thank you guys for stopping by to this introduction on the student loan crisis. Episode two will be coming out tomorrow on the student loan stigmas. So hope you're ready for that. Everybody have a great day or evening wherever you are in your day. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for watching the new deal. Have a good one.